Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio, where paranormal is normal. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and it is, oh my God, the time is moving so fast. It's already March 29th. So, PK, how are you doing tonight? Absolutely wonderful. I'll be glad to see this month behind us and the new one starting. Can't well, wait that's for April what we get here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Well, I want to hear all about it. What can we expect in April? Well, April's going to be a two universal month, which is about our sensitive side in relationships, and it's also in its seven years. So both of them are very sensitive, but there's a lot of spirituality that goes on with the seven spirit, seven year. So there's going to be. Sensitivity, feeling alone at times, or wanting to be alone. There's going to be uh, constant ideas going through as it happens too quickly sometimes. But look at things that are happening and more about how you feel about things and give yourself a chance to regroup. And it's an excellent time to change your ideas or what you need to change in your plans because this new month that will be here in a couple days, it's going to be a time when it's best to keep your ideas secret because you're going to find out that if you don't, change will make you feel foolish or not shaping up the way you think it should or not happening. It'll happen too prematurely and it won't become into a positive-looking idea. Ideas you're going to find okay. are going to be strongly felt, and there's going to be change as quickly as they arrive. So think in terms of this. Secret is the best way to go because you're going to feel less foolish when you don't share some of these ideas that aren't going to pan out, some will, but also know that there's some that will not. So although you're going to feel strongly about your ideas or even your relationships, that's a big question mark there, you're going to feel thoughts, and they're going to vanish almost as, as quickly as you get them. So especially if things are done prematurely, stop and take a look. Secrecy is best. Feel positive about that, and you won't have to make excuses later when it doesn't happen. All things are really going to turn around to be what you'd like them to be this month. Don't that doesn't happen until August. This gives you something to balance in the air, and I do mean balance in the air. That might help a little bit. It helps a lot. Thank you for sharing all of that. Because, yeah, things are coming out more and more about what. Oh, government yes. has been doing what how they've been getting paid off there's just so much more i guess that's going to be coming forward it will be very interesting 
And I may, we may be bringing on Ty Bollinger, who does a lot of work on alternative treatments good. to cancer. And the reason I want to bring him good, on good. is because all of a sudden we are seeing very aggressive cancers turning up seemingly overnight. I mean, people getting yes. diagnosed with fourth-stage cancer. I mean, no time to really even think about fighting it. So I'd like to bring Ty on, and I know you would like to talk to him as well, to see what he has to say about all of this, as well as sharing the types of things that they talk about in their documentaries mm-hmm. about cancer and alternative treatments. They do some wonderful work with their documentaries, and a lot of cancer yes, patients rave about them. So I think it's time we bring him onto our show. So we're going to work on that for everybody. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then for everybody's health, you know, I've been talking about the Endolite band made by Dr. Weber, who had been on our show last year. We're going to have him on again as well because he has basically upgraded the Spectra Plus laser watch to the Endolite band. And I stand corrected. It's not twice as powerful. It's seven times as powerful as the Spectra Watch was. Yes, it's unbelievable. And there are three modes of operation. You can go right to our website at supernaturalgirls.com, and it's on the front page. You can click on the photograph. It will give you lots of information about what all the laser diodes do. And it's an amazing invention that he has that is for your health. So I had some questions about it, and that's why I wanted to have Dr. Weber on himself. But in the meantime, I know people were interested in purchasing it. You can do that through the link on the website, and you will get a discount. So feel free to use that. And it's, again, it's an amazing invention. I want Dr. Weber to come on the show and tell us exactly what it's capable of. But I can tell you, again, with great authority now, (laughs) that it is seven times more powerful than the Spectra Plus. And I did find out that if you prefer to work with the Spectra Plus, because that comes with accessories, that they still have those available too. And I still have my Spectra Plus watch and I still use that because of the accessories. They have a pad that you can put on your back, your neck, your knee, whatever, and that plugs right into the Spectrum Plus watch itself. So anyways, I'm going to play a very short commercial about this and we're going to bring our guest on who is very interesting. We have author Dave Emmons. He's with us tonight and the book that he has just written Angels and Supernatural Entities is chock full of great information. So let me just give this Endolite band some airtime. And again, if you have any questions about the Endolite band, you can feel free to email me. You can also email Weber Medical, and they'll be happy to answer them for you. And anyways, let me take care of this. Again, it's the Endolite band. Check it out. The health benefits of sunlight to our body are well known. Light energizes, light lifts your mood, and light can heal. What if all these benefits were combined into one portable device that you can use in the comfort of your home? The German medical device manufacturer Weber Medical has recently launched the Endolite Band. The Endolite Band looks like a smartwatch but does so much more. 
This revolutionary band is equipped with true laser diodes that irradiate the circulating blood via your arteries. Each color provides its own powerful benefits. Red and infrared light deliver energy and regulate your immune system and blood pressure. Yellow is a real mood booster and improves sleep quality. Green impacts oxygen supply, and blue has anti-inflammatory effects. The Endolite Band has three programs. Recharge helps you start your day with energy. If you want to unwind and clear your head after a busy day, select Relax. When you need full support, select Recover, activating all diodes at the same time for the full range of effects. Improve your well-being at the touch of a button. 30 minutes per day gives you the advantage, and there are no side effects. Let the Endolite Band bring you a healthier life. Order now at www.wmedicalsystems.com. That's www.wmedicalsystems.com. And again, for everybody who is interested in purchasing, if you go through our website, you will get a discount. So just feel free to click on that link that's on the homepage, and they will give you approximately 100 euros off of the sale price. So let's get down to business here. We've got angels and supernatural entities, and Dave Emmons is here to tell us all about them. Now, you and I know, PK, that sightings of angels and supernatural entities have been well reported since ancient times, and especially lately. Lots of people are Mm -hmm. seeing lots of things, and thank goodness for cell phones because they can actually capture it by video or just a photo. So we all get to share this now. So what is truly known about these entities? We're going to find out. And how do you communicate with them? And where are they from? We've got a lot of questions. What do they want? So tonight, Dave Emmons is going to take us through his personal paranormal journey. Now, Dave was born in the Midwest. He had 10 brothers and sisters, quite the big family out in Illinois. Um, He graduated high school. He obviously had a genius IQ. He served in the Army for three years as combat platoon sergeant in Vietnam, and he had a top security clearance for nuclear weapons. Now, he's done a lot in his life so far. He was an electrician. He attended five years of college. He worked with an x-ray company as a field coordinator. He's done disaster management at various locations. I mean, the list goes on and on. He's a traveler, a photographer. He's a radio blog host. And he's the author of three books, They, What Do They Want?, Senseless Wars and Conflicts, a Combat Veteran's perspective and his newest book which is going to drop in 10 days angels and supernatural entities he's a lifelong ufo et abduction experiencer dave welcome to the show thank you patricia and pk thank you for having me on the show uh as you as you you were saying the first book uh they what do they want kind of ties in, it's uh, ET and UFO experiences throughout my life, kind of ties into this angels and supernatural entities, believe it or not. And it actually confuses me between the two of them. And the senseless wars, I actually, in combat, I've actually seen where I thought my guides and my angels were protecting me, 
uh, a couple of times, especially, where I felt, you know, that they were telling me what to do. So you can telepathically, when they talk to you, uh, angels, and you actually can talk to them, and, and we'll get to that too. But uh, I'd like to kind of start off with my lifelong ET adventures, I guess, and, and get into that real quick and then get into this other this other book with angels. Yeah. There's so much to talk We'd about. We'd love yet. to hear uh, about your, your personal experiences with ETs. That's, that's it. We can't wait to hear it. Definitely. We love that kind of stuff. Definitely. Very interesting. Okay. So please, All right. when did this start for you? It started when I was 13, actually. I saw my first uh, UFO. Uh, it's in my book. It's, it looked like a, a barge, a rectangular figure with light blue light at the bottom, like a hazy, cloudy light. And it come over my backyard, and all my brothers and sisters were in the house. I was outside looking up at the moon, and I was always curious about the sky. I guess I was born with this, this attitude, uh, consciousness, I guess you can call it. And this craft come over me, and I didn't know exactly what to do. I, I sat there in the yard, and I thought, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, I found myself in my bed, and I couldn't feel my legs or my or, you know, my mid-torso, I can move my head and arms, but my legs were numb. I was laying in the bed, and when I kind of come to, I felt a presence beside me in the bed. Apparently, it, it got me into my bed, teleported me into my bed, and, of course, there's so many kids, uh, we had to sleep kind of together, so my brother and I slept on a, a standard-sized bed together, and I laid there, and I woke him up. I said, did you experience anything? Did you see anything? He said, no, go to bed. And so that was it, that's been in my memory, but it was a fleeting type of memory with that one, that first one, when I was 13. And you're talking about 1962, and then in 1963, my best friend and I saw a, a UFO. And it was, we, we followed it up the street, was watching it, two lights on it, and we smelled like a sulfur smell. That was ozone, apparently, now that I know better. Uh, and we sat there listening to the transistor radio, 10 transistor radio, so that dates us. And also the drinking out of uh, glass bottles, Pepsi, uh, that's also an old, old-time old thing. But that's when we <laughs> saw sure. this, this thing, this light. And we, and we got up on, we got up by the road, and that, my buddy was living there with his dad in a, in a basement apartment. And we got up on the road, and he said, let me get the flashlight on my dad's truck. So, okay. So he was flashing the, the light, flashlight, that's this, this, craft it was only about 70 feet in the air and it was going real slow i can see it going through the tops of the treetops and my friend who was flashing the flashlight he thought they were kind of communicating with him but as i looked back it was the lights that were kind of hitting the leaves and they were coming on and off the leaves were blocking it and i said no Mm -hmm. i don't think they were communicating with us but they had us nailed anyway so we followed them up to this empty lot and the craft, it was about 35 feet wide, maybe about 22 feet thick, something like that. And it had a couple of white lights on it. And they, they times turned their lights low. And then there's a red light towards the top. I saw something that looked like antennae sticking at the top. And my buddy and I stood there looking at this thing. And it was only, at that point, it was only about 45, 50 feet above my backyard. We were looking at it from the top of another lot. And we pinched each other to make sure we wasn't seeing or dreaming. And when we, I did that, I mean, when he did that to me, it hurt. And I said, ow, buddy, that hurt. And he said, well, we got to see if we're <laughs> dreaming or not. 
that's the kind of guy he is. He, we still, I just had lunch with him last week, so we still talk about these things. And so we stood there. I was looking at the windows, the portals. They were mid, it was in the middle of the ship that went around it. And this was kind of like an old fashioned, uh, uh, I guess, saucer type thing. It kind of looked like that, the Nazi, uh, I guess, the flying saucer that they made. And this, this was kind of, mm-hmm. it, it was like that. It was kind of like a chubby top, like you, like you would have a screw top and you'd, you'd turn it and spin. It looked like that. But I was looking at the, the portals, the windows, and I was afraid to see the ETs. But as a kid, what you're afraid of, that brings your curiosity high. And I thought, okay, I want to see them, I guess. And, and so something happened after that. I don't remember anything after that. And we we come like we were just standing there in the, in the yard after some after some time passed. We don't know how much time. This started between 10 and 10.30 in the evening, and we were supposed to get home. I was supposed to get home by 10.30 or 11. So when we kind of come to our senses and the craft took off, my buddy did not see it take off, but I did. I saw it take off due west. I mean, it just was fast. It went out, out in the clouds and it was gone. And we said, okay, we're going to go and tell our folks that we saw a flying saucer. I said, well, they're not going to believe us. And so he went home to his dad. And he told his dad, he said, hey, dad, I saw a flying saucer. He said, yeah, I'll go to bed. And I went home and my mom <laughs> had the door locked. <laughs> my mom had the door locked. And, and uh, I pounded on the door and she comes to the door. She said, where have you been? Don't you know what time it is? I said, no, Mom, I don't. I wish I did. And we didn't have watches back then. I couldn't afford one anyway. But my mom said, I said, I saw a flying saucer. She said, get in the house before I fly and saucer your butt. You know, so I got in the house <laughs> and I went to bed but <laughs> the next day. But little little did I know that my mom had her share of experiences. And I, you know, I, I probably won't have enough time to cover all that. But my family did have experiences. And she tried to keep that away from us somewhat. So our friends didn't like didn't like our stories. They laughed at us, and and so my buddy just kind of went quiet, like kids would do. We don't talk about it anymore. Uh, and but two weeks later, though, it was about two, maybe three weeks later, I felt something. It was in my right testicle, and uh, not a good place the body to talk about, but that's where it was at. <laughs> I looked down, and there was a line cut, thin red oh, line. Oh no. And it was about what? yeah, it was about like a like a laser cut. It was red, and and I knew. I said, "Wow!" And then I felt this thing that was like a. It, it felt like a little M M&M and M or or an Advil tablet size type of thing. And I mm-hmm. I worked it out, and I pushed it right back out of that red line that was already cut for it. And I got it out of my hand. It took me about three minutes or so to get you know force that out. It did not hurt. It did not bleed. Apparently, that laser hole was cut with a laser, and it didn't bleed. But I showed it to my mom, and she says, what is that? I said, that come out of my, my, my you know, area, my groiner. She goes, that's an ingrown hair. So I said, no, it's not, Mom. And she looked at me funny, and I said, there was a hole cut for it. There was a red line, a hole, and I said, about an inch long. And then she stood there. She didn't know what to say. And then she said, throw it away anyway. And I think what it was, she had a fear of flying saucers because when, when she was younger with her sisters, they saw a flying saucer in the backyard, and apparently they've been followed, and my mom has seen things in the house that she never told us kids about until the last 20 years or so, and now she's 95, and we still talk about those things uh, to this day. My mom tells me everything, 
And my brothers and sisters asked me, why does mom tell you everything? I said, because we're both experiencers. She knows I'll understand. And so, you know, that's, that's where that is. But that was the, that was like the, the next foot that dropped. You have to, like in journalism, you wait for the story to have all the facts before you can really say, okay, that's what really happened. So just with that. Well, let me ask you a question, Dave, before you go any further, because you got, just gave us a tremendous amount of information. So she told you to throw the object away, and did you do that? Yes. I was only 14. You did, darn it. uh, Yeah, I I did it. Curiosity here. (laughs) Yeah, you you got to do what your mom says. Oh, my God. Uh, Yes, she must have been terrifying. So. Also, when she finally told you, you said it was just 20 years ago, that she finally right. broke the ice on this and said, by the way, I mean, why do you think she suddenly decided to tell you after all this time? Well, I think things were happening with her. She saw the tall, uh, you know, dark silhouette, uh, the, what they call the dark man or something, uh, and he walked down the hallway to her bedroom. And she actually said she was kind of molested. I don't know how she didn't go into depth. I don't want to go into depth with my mom, but how she was molested. But she said, she said also she saw somebody walking in the hallway that was dressed like a human, like uh, like blue jeans and and a white shirt. And she said it, it walked into her room and just stood there and looked at her. And then she said she's seen shadows and she saw golden objects shining in the middle of the of the hallway. And she said she'd been touched at night and, and, all, and all this. Uh, you know, she told me all this, and I said, Mom, I said, I wish you would have told me that, you know, years ago after I had my first incident. And she said, well, you know, I just didn't like talking about it because of the radio and TV back in those days. They said, if a flying saucer lands, please stay away from it. They had warnings out. My mom was scared of death mm-hmm. of flying saucers. Little did she know her son was involved in one right in her backyard. Yeah, so... Uh, exactly. That's that was the beginning, yeah. And then I had a dream, that's quite a something. Lucid dream, yeah. I had a lucid dream uh, after ask, that too. But before you go into the dreams, let me just finish off this piece about your uh, lineage because it does tend to go from generation to generation with mm-hmm. abductions. Right. And right. so now, now you're very well aware your mother had these experiences. What about your grandmother or grandfather? Did it? How far did you get to find out that it went back? Well, I, I didn't tell me anything about her, her mom, my grandmother, but they were Crow Indian. And actually, it's a Crow Indian blood the DNA. Uh, the ETs actually have followed. There's been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some theories about that, about them following right. uh uh, Indian Native American Indians. So because they were with them, you know, several thousand years ago in this country, and so they were, the Indians talk about them all the time, the ant people and uh, things of that nature that helped them out, put them in caves and things so they can survive. Uh, so they helped them survive throughout the thousands of years. So there's Native American culture that's mixed in with this, and I'm, I guess you could say I'm 15% Crow Indian. My mom's about 25%, something like that. So it kind of passed down. Uh, but I had a lucid dream that I was on board a ship with my buddy, and I was on a table. It was warm. It was dark. And I remember trying to put a shirt on, but the shirt was too small. 
I my buddy, my buddy was a little thinner than I was. I hate to say it, I was a chubby little kid. But uh, I I tried to put the shirt on. It's too small. But then I just I was so weak, I couldn't do anything. But I felt my buddy was in the same room, but I couldn't see him. I just felt that he was there. And when I we both got out, I guess I had the right shirt on. And I told my friend I had that dream, and he hasn't had any any dreams of that type. Uh, I think what happened was he had a block, a mental block, a consciousness block, because he was a police chief, and he, he's not allowed mm-hmm. to talk about that kind of stuff. And also he worked with mm-hmm. bullying and security, and he wasn't allowed to talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, but now that he's retired, uh, you know, he's still, he, he still blocked it out, I guess. And if you block it out, if you block the EPs out, they are not going to visit you because you're going to lower your consciousness level like he did. And my brother keeps asking, so why didn't you have dreams or why didn't you see uh, UFOs afterwards? And I could answer that for him. You know, he dropped his consciousness due to his work, and he just had to block it out. We've also heard that people get memory blocks. So sometimes the ETs also wipe mm-hmm. your memory so, so you can't remember. And that's right. also something that that happens. I don't know why they do that, right. but I guess they don't want people talking about it over morning coffee, so they, <laughs> they can wipe they, your memory clean. Some of them don't do a very good job of it, Patricia and TK. They, they, I've been left with some lucid dreams. I actually saw in 1995, I saw a little gray next to my bed, and I woke up. It was about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, bewitching hour, and you probably hear a lot of the stories coming from that time period. They, this little gray was beside my bed. I thought it was my, my daughter coming into the room, going into our master uh, bathroom to get aspirin because she had headaches. And I kept ha- uh, calling her name out, and I had my chin in my, my right hand, and I was looking up, and I asked, I asked her three times with her name, and then she, it, the dark figure walked past the mirror, we had it dark in there because the wife at the time had to have it really dark in the room so she could sleep better. Then I saw this shadow walking up to my side of my bed, so I changed my hand. I put my chin in my, in my left hand. I thought it was the daughter telling me she had a headache, but it wasn't. It was about a three, three-and-a-half-foot-tall, little, ugly, gray-green guy, and he, had, he didn't have the black lenses on. His eyes were twice our size. I saw the the white uh, pupils and everything, and I and I saw that he was wrinkly. I mean, real wrinkly. He had a little nose, little mouth. You can just barely see the mouth, and his wrinkles were really didn't look like the commercial, you know, little gray that you see. This this thing was really wrinkly and old looking, and I remember looking at this thing for about five to seven seconds, and I had fear running through me, and all of a sudden I was out. I just passed out, and. About an hour or so later, I got up and looked at the time, and I thought, wow, it's about, it's 4.30. I said, what, what's going on? And I woke the wife up. I said, did you see or hear anything? She goes, no. She said, go back to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. Mm. I got up. I was so hyped up. My <clears> eyes were just flickering. It was a nervous tick. And I talked to some guests that I had, and they said they had the same thing. Their eyes were flickering after an abduction. It must be some kind of ner- uh, you know, nervous tick that happens after you get knocked out. So I, you know, I splashed my face with water, and then I, I went in the living room, and I just watched TV. I had to go to work at 6 anyway in the morning. So I just stayed up, but uh, the adrenaline was flowing. I said, oh, no, 
they're they're really back. That's the first time I've seen an ET. I've seen craft, uh, you know, flying over me at high speeds and things uh, during the the 70s uh, and then the 80s. But this was in 95. That's the first time I saw an ET close up. And and I thought, oh, no, they're still following, still around. So, yeah, I I saw another craft uh, when I was working in a refinery. It looked like a glider craft, except it, it looked like it was total metal, no joints, no screws, no bolts. And it had a cockpit, but you could, there wasn't any windows in it. Uh, it was, it, it was, it flew by me. It was only about 100 or so feet up. And I was on the tower, uh, checking equipment out. And when I saw this thing, I called the control room and I said, look up guys, there's something flying over us and it's illegal to fly over a refinery. So this thing was about, had a wingspan of about 15 or 18 feet wide and it was about 12 feet long and it was just a total, I guess, a, Total type of almost looked like liquid wet metal. It was really shiny and flying real, real, real slow, and it turned and went to the south. And I thought, okay, what's going on? But it, it actually downloaded to me a futuristic dream in which I had just a few nights later, in which told me the plant was going to close even after they put in five or six million dollars in the renovation into the unit that I was supervising. And the guys told me, you're crazy. That's those ET selling you. I said, yeah, it was. And actually, four or five months later, the plant did close. So it was no kidding. Yes. So they know that's amazing. No time. And it it sounds like you. The only time that you remember being afraid was when this little ugly guy showed up next to your bed. So because the rest of the experience you talk about with a lot of enthusiasm, you know, with your seeing these things up in the air the first time with your mm-hmm. friend and then even being right. aboard the ship which it sounds like you were right. it didn't sound to me when you were describing it that there was any great level of fear it, again the only time was when that thing showed up in your bedroom which i can imagine was right. terrifying yeah so what about lately yeah, have they been bothering you or being friendly or what are I, they doing with you now yes uh, now they're bothering the electronics they turn the TV off. My wife and I listen to sleepy time music, I call it, and we uh, it soundscapes. And what they'll do in the morning, about between 7, 7.30, every morning, they turn the channels nine, from 9.47 down to 48, and that's Fox News at 48. And I keep thinking, I hear the Fox News, and I'm not quite up yet. I don't get up to about 8 o'clock, 8.30. And we go to bed late at 1 o'clock, my wife and I. But I hear that the news, and I say, oh, no, here they're doing it again. They just do it to aggravate me. And I talk to Spectrum, and I ask the technicians there. And I talked to actually the main office technicians. And I had a technician come out of my house twice and check out my Wi-Fi, the TV. And they said, they don't see anything wrong. And they said, they said you're actually, your TV is being turned off and on. I said, yes. And it's changing channels on its own. I said, yes. And they said, it shouldn't be doing that. I said, I know. Can you tell me? They said, right. no, we can't. <laughs> yeah. So the main Strange that me, they would choose uh, Fox News when so many people yeah. are against Fox right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I just, uh, there's other things, too. I have a trail camera that I, I've been taking. I, about two and a half years ago, I, had, I got some pictures and videos of uh, several ETs in my house. They set all my alarms off, uh, my motion wow. sensors, 
And this is when my wife left to visit the Philippines. This has been a little over two and a half years ago. And to see her first uh, grandbaby born, and I didn't go at that time, and now she's going to go again. And the activity is increasing on my camera. They actually burned my batteries out, brand new batteries in my trail camera, oh. and it's infrared. And they, they, they shot the pictures up 700 shots without nothing on them. So they're messing with my camera. And I did get a few pictures of them, of, of the shadow figure and things of that nature. So they're still active. They messed with my electronics. They, they messed with my, uh, my computer. Uh, it's, a, it's an electronic thing. Now, I know they're present, and I told the wife that they're, that they're here, and the morning she called me to let me know she was safe and sound in the Philippines, uh, she heard the alarms go off. And then without me saying anything to her, she said, your buddies are back, aren't they? I said, yes, they are. <laughs> they wow. set my alarm off eight times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, they, they still mess with me. Uh, I keep my consciousness open, and like you said, Patricia, yes, I haven't had a real scary event. Uh, the, another event, I'm going to just jump around here, but because I, you know, I just get around there, a lot of sure. get into the angel thing. But the other event that really that my I caught on with my mom. This happened back in 2011. It was April 9th, 2011. I was out in the front yard. It was a nice day that day. I was talking to my brother, and since then he's passed away. Nice brother, friendly brother, and he, but. He, he passed away, but I was talking to him, and I laid the phone down. I said, I see two big bright lights coming at me. This was about 8.20 in the evening. It was just starting to turn just a little dark, and there's two big bright lights heading from the north coming over me. And I looked up, and it was a huge triangle craft. It was only about 35 feet above me. It, it nipped the treetops on the other side of the, the street. And my mom lives three or four houses down. And when I saw this huge craft go over me, I was in shock and awe. I wasn't fearful, like you're saying, but I saw this huge craft with two big glass-like globes in front of it, in the, in, the, in the nose part of it. And that was something different that nobody else has ever explained to me, that what are those two big glass globes? They're about 15 feet long, about five or six feet wide, and there was two of them in the nose. But this craft was huge. It covered eight houses. That's how big it was. And oh my God, that's over, huge! Yes, when, I, huge. when it passed over, I called my mom. I said, "Did you guys see that craft?" And here's what my mom said. She goes, "Yes." She said it was scary. She said I was scared to death. And she, at the time, she was 85, something like that. And she said it was scary. I wouldn't step out. She said I didn't want to step out on the porch and look at it. She said I was afraid of being abducted. So if that tells you ah. something of her past, that, that told me right. a lot. 85-year-old is saying that she's afraid of being abducted. And my other two brothers saw it, too. So we have three witnesses and myself that saw this huge crash. Uh, I called the police station. I asked if there's any other reports. I said, don't laugh. And she said, do you hear me laughing, the, the, you know, the dispatcher? I said, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, we got officers in here now that are interested in what you're saying. I said, they believe? She said, oh, yes. Our officers see these things every once in a while. She says, we believe you. you know, I said, wow, that's great. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. That is. But, uh, no, yeah, but uh, no, I just had chills just talking about that, uh, about that sighting with my mom. Uh, but I saw another, another, another UFO going to Springfield, Illinois, and I was coming back from Springfield, and something told me to go out 
and go to Springfield. I wasn't going to go, but I went. I had friends playing music there, and I'm a musician also. I've played music 45 years. I went up to see these friends in Springfield, Illinois. That's about an hour and a half, hour and 40-minute drive north of me. I, you know, something told me to go, and it was just like it was a weird experience. It's like when I come out of town, it's like I was in a, some kind of a daze or I was like in a half-dream state, and I was going through these stoplights, and I was just moving along. And when I got out of town, I saw a bright light on the left of me. I was heading south on the Highway 55, and it was about, i say, about 11 o'clock or so at night, maybe 11.20, and uh, I saw this bright light. I saw the helicopter coming up on the opposite side of the highway. But then it come up closer, and I slowed down, and there was other cars around me. There was about three or four other cars around me and other cars coming from the, the south. And this craft flew right over me. Why it flew right over me, I don't know. It looked like it had a glass bottom, like lights. It had, a, it had like a pie cut, like, you know, metal framing of it. And then in the center had a big, dark, round circle. And it was a flying saucer. And I I said, oh, my God, why am I to see this? Why did it fly over my car when it could have flew over anybody's car? Uh, Well, because they're tracking me. I've had implants. Mm -hmm. uh, So, you know, that's another thing, too. They they track me. But the most amazing ET adventure I had was, was in Sedona, 2010, in October. And I got a picture of this this person in my book. Uh, she was of Asian descent. I went to Sedona. I like going there taking pictures. I, I love traveling and, and, and photographing. I went there in a, a gift shop there. After I rested a couple hours, I went to this gift shop, and they told me I saw a UFO at Cathedral Rock. Anybody familiar with Sedona, that's, you know, Cathedral Rock is a, is a mainstay for UFO. So mm-hmm. I went there, started filming, and in behind me pulls this little white car. And I was filming with my uh, Sony camcorder. I turned around, and she walked up to me, had her hands down. And she had fairly long arms for a, for a short uh, girl and a uh, woman. She looked like she was in her 30s. She come up to me smiling, and I turned my camera to her, and I filmed her just a little bit. And I said, uh, are you here for a hike? And she, I said, it looks like it's going to rain. She goes, no. And I said, are you here uh I said, are you here to meet somebody? She goes, no. She said, I'm supposed to meet you. I said, what? You're supposed to meet me. (laughs) She said, we were supposed to meet. And so guess what that title of my book's going to be? (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) uh, my book that I'm working on now, the sci-fi, I'm thinking about similar title wordage on that. But she got in my car because it's raining, and we talked. And then there was a strange young guy in his late 20s, close-cropped hair with a, with a headset on, and he pulled up about a car spot over from me. And I thought, okay, who's this guy? Is this a setup? Because being a military type of person, I, you know, I was aware of my surroundings, and I thought maybe I should be better prepared to deal with it. I asked her, I said, do you know this guy? She goes, no. She was eliciting emotions from me. She, she couldn't read English, but she could speak it. But she also said she could speak 20 languages. And uh, oh, said she was at Sandia, New Mexico. Yeah, Sandia, New Mexico. And I said, why does a single woman go to Sandia, New Mexico? And she goes, because I wanted to see the sand. I said, uh-oh. I, all kinds of red flags were popping up, uh, Patricia PK. I, I went back to my lodge room after we, we spent about an hour so talking. I asked her to meet me for breakfast the next day. She said she would. And... And so I wanted to find out more about her. 
because she was strange. And she didn't wear any makeup. She didn't have a watch on. She didn't have a cell phone. She had nothing like a young lady would have with her and be prepared. And I thought, and then she had a real thin little sweater. Uh, and I thought, oh, that, you're kind of you're going to be kind of cold. But the next day we met for breakfast. I knew she was going to, going to come because I got a telepathic message from her while I was parked in the lot of this restaurant. And it said she was coming. And then 10 minutes later she showed up. And I thought, oh, good, I can finish my notes that I've been started taking on this on this person. So we went in this restaurant, and we she stood there, and she looked around. She's supposed to be from Tokyo. And she there was about, oh, 12 people in there standing in the list little gift shop waiting to go in to get a seat. And she said, all these people. And I thought, if she's from Tokyo, there's that many people within five-foot radius of her, you know. So mm-hmm. I thought, this is strange. So we ate breakfast I ordered for and every time we did eat or anything, she went to the bathroom. I think she was regurgitating what she ate because that's not what she eats. Oh. She was just oh. she was probably playing, she was playing the game. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I, I, yeah, and uh, the only time I ever seen her with anything, she had a little black canvas bag, tubular bag, that she had with her the next day. And we went to several spots and we talked, but that's a long story. But she would have, we, I went, had, she said she had to fly out to Phoenix. And I said, Phoenix, huh? And then she said, yeah, and then she's going to LA. I thought, I bet you are. Yeah, I, I thought to myself, but we went and had, had lunch real quick, and she ate a piece or two of pizza, and then she did the same thing. She went to the bathroom. This time she took her little, her little uh, canvas bag with her. Either that was a communicator, or she was uh, dumbing me down, or whatever, with some kind of apparatus. I don't know, but, Make, taking, let's take five months ahead of time, in Godfrey, Illinois, five months later, my cousin and I were sitting on my front porch smoking cigars, which I shouldn't have done, but uh, it was a nice day, March 17th, and there was three Asian people showed up about 200 feet away from us at the intersection before you get to the, the highway there, and they were walking towards us. My cousin said, who are those Chinese? I said, I don't think they're Chinese or Japanese. Well, the woman turned around. The same woman with the same white sweater, same denims, she turned her face away from me so I couldn't see her. And I said, I know who that is. I told my cousin, I said, that's Hiroko. And he said, do you know them? I said, I don't know these two young guys coming up to us. There was two young guys. They were taller than usual Asians, Japanese. And they stood there in the, in the driveway looking at us, about 10 feet away. And one of them had a twitch in his leg. One of them was younger, looked like he was about 15. The other one looked like 16 or so. And one of them had a nervous leg. And I noticed that I was able to see that. And he asked me one question. Where's the new Walmart at? It's a crazy question. Huh. I said, right, 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 right past that, that overpass. Yeah. That was the last words I could say. I was dumbed down. So was my cousin. My cousin talks a mile a minute. And he was dumbed down. His, eye, his eyes were glassy. He was staring down at the floor. And I was standing there looking, and I can move my eyes, but I could not talk after that. I could, I could not talk. I wanted to ask him, "Is that Hiroko?" They knew what I was, what I was thinking. So, but they wouldn't let me talk. And uh, they walked away. But actually, they went in. They got my little case. The taller one walked right past me without me even seeing him. He went in my little office room. He got my case out, and he was looking in this brown, if I call it, a pleather case, a weatherproof case that I kept my notes in when I traveled. He was looking at the notes. I think he took out about three pages of notes, I think, on his mother. I actually believe that that was his mother. 
and they were ETs, humanoid ETs. And he looked at me kind of, they had really dark, piercing eyes, just like their mother did. And I thought, wow, you know, this, that was a little scary, but I wasn't really afraid because I was dumbed down. And I, and I looked at the, I looked at my cousin, he was still dumbed down. And then they started walking away. And then they started joining up with Hiroko. And, and my cousin started coming too. And I was already coming through and watching them walk away. And he said, Jeff, what just went on? I said, wait a minute. He said, are they? I said, they haven't left you. Let's watch them. They walked up to the stop sign. My cousin said, who are they? And he said, Dave, after a few cuss words, he said, he said they're going to kill you one of these days. I said, what are you talking about? ETs, he said. And right, and he's a skeptic. And he, he was a believer right then and there. They were ETs because he said, I've never been through such a – I said, who, who was controlling us? I said, they were. And as we were talking, we looked up there, and they were just gone in a flash. No cars, nothing. Nothing picked them up. They didn't walk up or down the road because we could see everything from my, my porch. And they just and told how old were you called. then? How old were you, Dave, when that 20, happened? 2011. It was uh, March of 2011. And wow, so it's fairly uh, recent. Yeah. Yeah. But, Noah, my cousin was so scared. He turned pale white, got in his truck, and he took off. That was the, the biggest experience I had. And then I knew she was an ET. Uh, that that was the other shoe that dropped, and I knew she was an ET. But little little did they know, the boy that took maybe took my, my uh, notes, my notes were already put into my computer. So I already had the, all the notes with me. <laughs> I said, well, that's a nice try. You know, I thought to myself, yeah. But, uh, but no, uh, it was just, yeah, that was the most fascinating, I guess, encounter. Uh, the other one was a scary encounter with a small reptilian in my bedroom. This was in 2012, actually. And as, actually, after I ran into a young lady, when I was with my two brothers, we were signing a music contract at this nightclub, and she was in there dancing with other ladies, young ladies, about 25 years old. And here I was an old, old guy, and she started dancing, twirling around. She's, a, she's an excellent dancer. She come over to our table, and my two brothers are younger, and I always tell them they're better looking than I am. And I, I was sitting there. She come up to me with her palms up, motioning for me to come to her. And I thought, this is strange. I said, this is really strange. Well, lo and behold, I'll cut this story a little short. Two weeks later, we went there to get the contract and, and uh, you know, sign up the night to play. And there was this young lady sitting from me uh, just a stool away, and I was looking at her, and I asked my brother, I said, is that the same girl who was here a couple weeks ago? He said, it looks like it. She didn't turn around, but she turned her eyes to me, and her eyes had reptilian slits in them. And oh. she was a reptilian. Yeah, she was a shape-shifting reptilian. Mm. And it was just a night or two. I looked in my records. I looked in my notes. I found out it was just a night or two after that I saw a short reptilian in my closet at 5.30 in the morning when I got up to go to the bathroom. Uh. I turned and looked, and I saw this thing. It looked like a cobra in the face. I was scared to death. Now, that scared me. Temporarily, it scared me. I kind of rattled, and I got out of the bed, and I looked at this thing. It was only there for, like, oh, seven or eight seconds, and then it disappeared. And I heard from other researchers, they said that they will show themselves in a short time because they know they scare us humans. And so they're just visiting and, and you know, observing us. They don't want to scare us. So, yeah, that, well, I that's that a good thing. Together. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, no, you've had uh, some amazing experiences, Dave. I mean, these are really in, incredible well, things. And it also really speaks to the question that many people have about are they really here? Well, they most certainly are. I mean, here yeah. you and your family members and your friends have all had close encounters with them. So, yeah, they're here. They're on the planet. What do you think they're doing here? You said they're studying us. They're watching. Is that what they're doing? They're, they're just watching yeah. our yeah. crazy uh, world and us in it? Yeah. Well, there's two parts of us, Patricia. We're, we're physical, biological, uh, human skins, I guess you can call us, and then we have a soul and a spirit. They, they don't tamper with that, but they, what they're doing is they're checking up on our bodies. They're, they're checking our DNA and our frequencies, our consciousness. Uh, they're actually taking consciousness readings of us, our DNA. I've had a, a couple of implants, one in my leg, and I got one in my, in my left uh, thumb area, and I might have to have it taken out because it's starting to bother me, but there's no bone chips, no pain when I move it, so it has to be something outside of my body. And so I'm going to have that done, and I got something in my left ear that rings when I touch my teeth. And that's weird, too. The doctors can't figure any of this out. And and then I've had these cold spells, freezing spells, six times in a row. Uh, and I told my doctor that. She goes, well, maybe you just had to fan on you and it was cold. I said, this is August. And she was a real good doctor. But I told her the story. About, I said, the doctor said, this is the sixth year that I've had these freezing like I was dead. I said, I was ice cold. My hands were laid across my stomach, and I don't sleep like that. It's not the way I sleep. I said my whole mm-hmm. the whole bed was shaking, and my wife did not wake up. And usually she wakes up even if a cell phone falls on the carpet. A little thud, she wakes up. She's like, what, the, what was that? And and I and so she didn't wake up. So they had her dumbed down. I think I was traveling out of body. They took my energy, they <clears> took my consciousness and my spirit, and they took me to another dimension. And my body was left there cold without the energy. And I, it can only last for so long, I guess. I don't know how they do it, but I, I told the doctor about that, and I said it happens between August 11th and August 14th. He said, you got to be kidding me. I said, yes, every year, once a year. And I said, and she looks at her intern and goes, something's just not right. You know, So I actually give her a copy of my book, so now I think she can figure it out. But I, I have all these little things that's happened to me, and they keep happening to me. They, they say you grow out of them. No, you don't. They keep up with you all the time, no. like my mom. You know, and, let me share something with you, Dave, that PK yeah. and I heard from Daryl Sims. I don't know if you've met Daryl yet. Um, yes, he calls I himself the alien hunter. Yeah. And, you right. know, he mm-hmm. has a very different take on implants than most people because most people think they're tracking you know, devices. Um, Daryl says they're them. not. No. Yeah. There, there's the so, one that was in my left leg is biological. It, it was carbon-based. And what it, was, it, it looked like brain neurons when I put it in a microscope. And I had a, a, a woman who I, I was doing research with, and she's a, a biology supervisor at St. Louis University a Med Center. And she looked at it, and she said, I've never seen anything like that before. They were like little octopi, and they were brain neurons. So actually what they do, they put these things in you to attach to your nerves and your DNA, and they're changing your DNA, and they're, they're, it's all throughout your body by the time it, it melts away. Just like the one that was when I was 14 years old, that was meant to stay in my reproductive area and, and go throughout my body. 
and also to be transferred to other children I, I would have. So, yes, it's a biological thing. It's also some the little metal things are frequency things. And what, they, what that frequency does, it controls your brain. It controls your consciousness. It, they can control you when they want to, and they can – and that, well, tracking is probably only about a third of it. Uh, there, it's not all – it's not just tracking. I, I agree. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic, and our dear friend Becky, um, she had a lot of implants, and one of them, I'll never forget the story, she talked about, it was on the heel of her foot, and <clears throat> she started pulling on it, and she pulled it out, <clears throat> and then she set it on fire, which I thought was hilarious. I mean, that was Becky. She's like, I'm going to pull this thing out and set it on fire. <laughs> That's what she did. And she had a few implants. She had more than one, yeah, but she was kind of tired of it. So, yeah, it's <clears throat> very interesting. And I know Daryl said very much something like you said. He said, why would they use these for tracking? It doesn't make any sense. He said, they found you the first time without tracking. You don't think they could find you again without tracking? Of course they can. They track, so they it's track an interesting. you with your own, your own. Yeah, they track you with your own body frequency. Each person has a different right. frequency, and they know who you are and where you're at. Uh, now, tying in the angels, ghosts, and ETs, tying that all together, they all can be invisible. I know the ETs that visit me are, are invisible. They're standing in a room, and my and my meter it was uh, was going off the charts with magnetic energy when they were around me, and it'll probably act up again before long, and. But they're invisible, just like angels are invisible, and also ghosts are spirits. But uh, actually, the Bible and Jesus didn't really go for ghosts. So he said that ghosts didn't really exist. Uh, are they are they spirits that are roaming the earth? Uh, maybe so, but they're coming through dimensional channels and portals. They're traveling here. Uh, that I I think of it. And actually, uh, Jesus said the spirit sticks around for about three days after the body dies, and they it sticks mm-hmm. around just because they want to make sure that the body is dead, basically, right. is what what, what he said. Uh, also, Jesus, he went up on this mountain uh, with three of his disciples, James, and I think Peter, and uh, Thomas, and he reached up to the sky. It wasn't a big mountain, I guess. I, I forget the name of the mountain. I got it in my notes. Uh, but he just turned bright white, his whole body, the disciples said. And they, they call it the ascension, but actually what he was doing was going into another form, and they call, they said Jesus, this is where the thin line comes in, that Jesus was a shapeshifter. He can actually shape into huh. anything he wanted to. Yeah. And uh, Judas actually, the story behind that, I'm just talking a little bit about the, we're running low on time, so I'm going to go on the angel thing. Judas, actually, when he told the temple priest and the temple guards where Jesus was going to be, and then the, the temple priest asked him, now this is not, this is in the Gnostic and the Egyptian books. It's not in the, the uh, 325, you know, meetings, all of the, the scribes got together and wrote the Bible, uh, you know, the, you know, they wasn't that they, they 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 left a lot of books out. This is part of the mm-hmm. book, an Egyptian book. They found they they were saying that that Jesus could change in anything, but Judas told them, says I will kiss him, 
uh, he that will be the one that will be mm-hmm. Jesus. And they said, mm-hmm. okay, then we'll wait for you to do that. So that's why he had to go up and kiss Jesus, because he had to show the guards who Jesus was, because he would shape into different things. He would have blonde hair, light skin, blue eyes, or he would be taller, or he could be shorter. Uh, and that's what Judas was saying. So Judas actually said, and when Jesus talked to his disciples, he said, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you are our Lord, you know, God. And and Judas said, I know who you are. So Judas and Mary Magdalene had information about Jesus that the rest of them didn't have. And so am I saying that that takes away from Jesus? No. It just means that I'm looking at Jesus in a different way because he was here to tell us about our lives, our souls, and we go to heaven after we're born, I mean, after we die. And he said, he said that everybody goes to an afterlife. So he wanted to teach love and, and have people try to get back to the euphoric, angelic lifestyles that we had 3.5 million years ago. That's another long story. But that's where my research went. Uh, like some scientists say 350,000 years ago, humans evolved. But they're saying now 3.5 million years ago, and we, we recycled each time. We had an apocalypse that took, wiped us out, and then all of a sudden we come back uh, as, as another human race. So humans are actually all throughout the galaxy, humanoids, along with other uh, extraterrestrial beings. But there's so many different kinds. But they're all invisible. Angels come through dimensions. They travel here with ease. They come here to us when we need them. They're actually uh, they were made by God before man was even around. So God actually made the angels away 3.5 million years ago. And so the angels were here to help us and guide us. And angels are called guides also. You have the archangels, seven of them, then you have the regular angels. And so I can go into all that, but we're running. I look at the time. But uh, but it's interesting how much information that I got from this book, the research that I found, and the biblical verses that actually support all these facts. Uh, so it's interesting if you pick up the book and take a look at it, you'll see like St. Germain who helped us start this country back in 1776. He was a strange, tall uh, guy, about six foot four, about as tall as Washington, George Washington. George Washington was a little strange himself. He was almost angelic. But St. Germain has been an angel. He actually made comments that he was thousands of years old and he kept coming back to human society to help out in some way. And he told them to write this Declaration of Independence, and he sat there in the balcony, waited for them to write it. He looked at it, and he said, okay, good, you got it done. You have to do this now. This country will be great. I guarantee you it will be great. He said, I see it. And uh, he didn't eat anything below ground. He, he only drank hot tea, so that tells you he didn't like the water. And he didn't. he was a vegetarian. And he was a strange guy. And then after they signed the Declaration of Independence and they got started, St. Germain disappeared. And then they said they saw him in the French Revolution just right after that. Right. And yeah. he was there. He was there with the king. I wonder so if St. Germain is still around. Has anybody reported yes. seeing him? No, wow. I'm not going to know, but he's going to come back in a different form. Yeah, because they said he had figured out the the whole uh, immortality thing, that he had that down. Mm -hmm. 
so that right. he I was wondering, you know, if he stayed in the same form and people actually knew that it was him. So that would be yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh He's one of my favorites, I think. He did some amazing things. Yeah, I I know. We're going to have to have you back because you have so much to to share with our audience, and we barely scratched the surface on angels, and there's all these other entities we've got to talk about. So we've got to book you again, Dave. You've got to come back. And everybody, the name of Dave's book, again, a wealth of information, Angels and Supernatural Entities, You'll be able to buy your own copy in 10 days. And, wow, it is a blockbuster. So, Dave, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been thank amazing. You. So much thank fun. You. Thank it you. has been thank delightful. You, I had to talk real fast because there's so much ground to cover, and I never never got mm-hmm. into the angels too much, and I got a lot to cover there. But, uh, yeah. Well, we're going to just do another yeah, evening with you. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, by then your book will be available too. So people, I'm sure, will have their own questions about what you have written. But congratulations on this book. It's really terrific. And thank you so much for coming on the show with us tonight. This has been absolutely great. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So everyone, be safe and... We'll be back with another great show next week. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.